Hello and welcome to episode 14 of the F and Eminem podcast. I'm your host for today's show, Frankie Lippold, alongside Mitch Farnsworth and Mitch Bala. And today we will be talking about all things NBA playoffs, touch on uh, this past Sunday's games of our Cleveland Browns and Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and a little preview of this week's games and our scuttling Cleveland Indians that we're all going to have some pretty bad takes on. So let's get right into it. All right, Mitch Farnsworth, how you doing today? I'm uh, doing pretty well. Doing doing pretty well. Well, that's good to hear, Mitch Bali. Yourself? Can't complain, men. Can't complain. Happy to be doing another podcast episode with the boys. Episode fourteen. Yep. So, Mitch Bali, I'm going to keep it right with you. Uh, the Denver Nuggets have come back from a three-one deficit on the Los Angeles Clippers. It looked. It seemed like it was going to be a foregone conclusion. Clippers, Lakers, the Battle of LA. Uh, but the Denver Nuggets said not today. Um, Kawhi Leonard, which you know a lot of people thought he was the best player in the world, um, had uh, zero points, one of eleven in the second half in yesterday's game. Uh, not playoff P, way off P, hitting the side of backboards on multiple shots, um, and just completely falling apart and blowing uh, a double-digit lead for three straight games. Mitch Bala. Just what went wrong with this Clippers team, and was it more so Denver capitalizing on their mistakes, or just the Clippers shrinking? Buckle up, folks. Wow. This could be a minute. This could be. A minute. This is a great question you asked here because I don't want to take any credit away from Denver. Denver, um, first of all, in Game One of that series was dead tired. You could tell after coming off an emotional Game Seven win over Utah. Game two, they battle with the Clippers. They beat them. It's 1-1. But next thing you know, Clippers are up 3-1. Seems like all things are heading for an all-LA showdown until the Denver Nuggets had their back against the wall once again. And apparently that's right where they want to be. And play their best basketball against a team that had everything to lose in Los Angeles Clippers. And you said... um, not playoff P, but I like to call him pandemic P because yeah. when he's on the court, that he's a disaster too. in Paul George. Yeah. Um, he's terribly overrated. But you know who else is overrated, Frank? Who's that? Doc Rivers. The entire Los Angeles Clippers team. Whole... The entire Los Angeles Clippers team is overrated. Their whole franchise. Year, Montrez Harrell. Last year it was Lou Williams. Guess what? Neither of them shut up this series. Uh, Doc Rivers has now lost the most... 3-1 lead series in the history of the NBA. He has blown one each of the last three decades, which for those people that are unaware, that is three different presidential terms. It's the George Bush administration, the Barack Obama administration, and now the Donald Trump administration. Um, so that's a lot of uh, a lot of years right there that Doc Rivers has just every decade decided, hey, you know what? Let's blow a 3-1 lead. Um, so he also now has the most game seven losses in NBA history. He has to be on the hot seat, but let's not talk about him. Let's talk about the people that are anoint- that were anointing Kawhi Leonard to be the best player in the NBA. Uh, did LeBron James retire? Um, I can fact check that and positively say he did not retire. Okay, and he's still alive, right? He's not hurt? Oh, no, he's, his heart's ticking. Oh, okay, so I just want to know when Kawhi Leonard decided to become or when people thought he was the best player in the NBA, because um, according to my calculations, if you're the best player in the NBA, let alone the best player in your team, 
Usually you don't blow multiple double-digit leads in three consecutive games. And usually, just usually, guys, I mean, I'm not always been more of a baseball guy, so you can tell me if I'm wrong. Um, Usually you score more than two points in a game six in the fourth quarter and usually score more than no points in the fourth quarter and usually don't shoot 27% from the field. Um, I don't know, guys. To me, that doesn't seem like the best player in the NBA because I know – my goat, LeBron James, would never. Um, Kawhi Leonard is a good NBA player, but this whole nonsense—he's oh, he's still a great player. Well, you know, great players usually show up in big time moments and big, All big right. time. LeBron had twenty eleven. Kawhi's got twenty twenty. All right. But here's the here's the difference. The, the, everyone that's brought that up, that was the finals. We are talking about someone yep. that is. People are saying, "Oh, he's the best player." That's the second round of the playoffs against a team that nobody was given a chance to. Against a team you were up 3-1. LeBron wasn't up 3-1 in the finals in 2011. Yes, I will admit, LeBron James' worst series of his career has been that 2011 finals of the, against the Dallas Mavericks. Kawhi Leonard just choked a 3-1 series lead to the Denver Nuggets in the second round of the playoffs. The same second round that the former team he was on, the Toronto Raptors, got knocked out of in seven games. Yep. So, Mr. Kawhi Leonard, the grass isn't greener on the other side, and you are nowhere near LeBron James, okay? Congrats. You have two finals MVP, but guess what, buddy? You don't show up in the big-time moments. You let the pressure get to you, and you cracked. You cracked, and, I mean, hey, everyone saw the commercial that said the city was yours. <sighs> I don't know about that one, guys. I, hmm. It probably is LeBron James' <laughs> city, and then Mookie Betts' city, and then it looks like it might be the Los Angeles Rams city. And then it was Ibrahim city. Um, yeah, so Kawhi Leonard, you're way down the list. And you're not close to LeBron James. End of discussion. Mr. Farns, I just want to pose a little different question to you. Um, now that the Clippers have been officially eliminated from the playoffs, do you believe Kawhi Leonard made a mistake leaving Toronto? I think he does. I think now, he, looking at the whole body of work after this season, now it's been an interesting season. Obviously, now in a bubble, it's told. You know, that's not a. You know, it's not a. Uh, um, um, trying to think of the word. A uh, excuse at all. There it is. An excuse for him to play that poorly in a game seven against. You know, out of when you look at a series, you always look at. You know who's got the best player and a lot of us obviously would have said Kawhi Leonard and those Clippers were going to win this series much easier maybe five or six games and that was all on ESPN I read their article this morning they had every writer they had was either Clippers in five or six no one picked the Nuggets I don't even think they went to Clippers in seven it was supposed to be in all four or five games and then it was over but going back to the original question you thought with Kawhi being the best player it, obviously the Clippers were going to go all the way in that I don't think they had all the role uh, the uh, the role players here. I don't think they had the playoff experience that he needed to, but obviously he's supposed to be a leader. He has that playoff experience. He's the best player they have. You have to be able to produce in that situation. He did not, you know, they brought in Paul George to be a second, you know, the second at and therefore the Clippers and he did absolutely nothing, but, I'm not going to say absolutely nothing, but absolutely getting nothing. the basketball off the side of the backboard. It, it's nothing close. Not being clutch in any way that he's supposed to be. But, you know, I, I think that if he was in Toronto, 
Um, I that would have been a very more, uh, but they are much more of a veteran group. I think he has more, better pieces in Toronto. They have the chemistry in Toronto. I think that would have been a much better move for him to stay in Toronto. I think they would probably still be playing in the Eastern Conference Finals right now with Kawhi yep. against um, the Miami Heat right now. If they he was in Toronto and Boston would be at home, but yeah, yep. I, I'm I'm in that situation. I think he did make a mistake, but obviously there's personal reasons. That he wanted to go to LA, and you know he made that decision. You make your bed, you gotta sleep in it. Now he's in with the Clippers, but I'm gonna I'm gonna finish off and say that I think it was a mistake for him to leave Toronto. No, I would have to completely agree. And then moving off that a little bit, uh, Mitch Ball. Now that they're the Western Conference Finals is set, and it is the Nuggets versus the Lakers. Uh, Mitch Ball, how do you see the Western Conference playing? Western Conference Finals playing out, and what is your prediction? for the series, how many games does it go? Well, first things first, all I'll say is that the Nuggets have surprised us in two consecutive series, and they may not have surprised people in the first series, but coming back from a 3-1 deficit against the Jazz, very impressive. I mean, we know 3-1 deficits in the NBA, hard to come by. Last time anyone had done it before this year was a guy named by the name of LeBron James when he led the Cleveland Cavaliers back against the Golden State Warriors in 2016. I don't know how that series ended up. Um, if you do, just shoot us a text at TFNMMP. Let us know how that 2016 series ended up. Okay, thanks. Back to the original question. Um, this will be the Nuggets' hardest test, and here's why. Nikola Jokic has gone against a solid rim defender in Rudy Gobert, but his perimeter defense is not good. The Los Angeles Clippers do not have a rim protector. Uh, Montrez Harrell is atrocious at defense. Uh, Marcus Morris could not guard him. Ivan Zubac was just irrelevant in that entire series. Anthony Davis's length and athleticism, I think, will be able to slow down Jokic. My big concern, though, for the Lakers, who I'm going to pick to win this series, I've been riding with the Lakers all season long. I predicted them all the way back in Episode 5 to go to the finals and win the finals. Who is going to guard Jamal Murray? And if it is LeBron, then what happens with Michael Porter Jr.? What happens with Paul Millsap, Jeremy Grant, Gary Harris? All these guys that have stepped up and proven that Kawhi Leonard could even guard him. Because don't forget, Kawhi Leonard, remember, Mr. Best Two-Way Player in the NBA, um, they all outscored him last night in Game 7. Every single one of the players I just mentioned, including two bench players, all outscored Kawhi Leonard. So, either Kawhi Leonard just like I said, cracked under pressure, or these guys are all hot right now. I think it makes for an interesting series, um, especially because nobody predicted this to happen. I do think Lakers went in five or six. No, um, give me an answer, five or six. I just said five or six. I don't know. It just depends. It depends. Like, no, I, I mean, want a good prediction. I mean, apparently, Nuggets get down 3-1. They're the greatest team in basketball ever. So, like, does LeBron just sweep them 4-0, or does LeBron spot them two games so they're up 2-0? And the Lakers win four. I mean, you gotta you gotta look at it this so way. So, what is know. the official prediction? So you're on record. I'll go on record, and I'll say um, with how the Nuggets are playing. I'll go ahead and say Lakers in five. <laughs> okay. All right, there you go. And then Mitch Farnsworth posed the same question to you. How do you see this Western Conference Finals shaking out? 
Well, you know, I went with the Lakers in five in the last round, and I think that turned out pretty good for me as I was spot on with my prediction, even though many people uh, disregarded my prediction at all as a quality pick. But uh, we'll not get into that. So I'm, I'm thinking the Lakers, yeah, I'm going to go back to, you know, who has the best player on which team, and that usually is going to win the um win the series I, obviously the Lakers I think they are built to win a championship now I don't think the Nuggets they, I think they're down the line I think the Nuggets in the future are going to have a lot more deep runs into um, it, like these ones that they have this year I think that they are a few in the future team they get the more role or get more playoff experience like they are and what more can you get than you know making the Western Conference Finals here for the Nuggets but still a young team I think the majority of the um, the Lakers is going to be the key factor in this with Anthony Davis and LeBron there. Um, I just don't see them losing this series. I think I'm going to go again, and I think the Lakers will relatively make this quick, and they'll win in five again. So um, okay. this should be interesting. The last time we saw these two teams in this was uh, 2009 when yeah. Kobe and Paul Gasol were there, and uh, the Lakers took it in six. So. Uh, it should be fun to see. Uh, you know, the young bucks of the Nuggets can, you know, see if they can steal one early. I think that's going to be a huge factor for them is um, how they play early. You know, if they get down and, you know, the Lakers are installing that dominance over them, it could be a quicker, you know, it could be only four games. But I'm going to be pretty solid with Lakers in five over the Nuggets. Okay, I'm going to pick Lakers in seven. Uh, just because for the simple fact that every series that the Nuggets play in has gone seven. You look at last year, their Western uh, Conference second round against the uh, Portland Trailblazers, which they uh, blew. That went seven. Uh, shout out CJ McCollum, that chase down block, still raw, 3 3 0. 3 3 0, baby, stand up. And then you look at both series this year, but down 3 1 to uh, coming back all the way and winning in seven. Ultimately, I'm going to pick the Lakers in seven. You know, I'm, I'm happy uh, Farms was kind of skipped over the last series. I was hoping we would all forget about that. You know, uh, good old Rockets kind of eh. But, you know, now that... Kind of eh. Kind of eh. Are you kidding me? All right, no. All right. Kind of eh. It was kind of eh. Five games. And you kinda said it was eh. disrespectful. It was. Wow. Dis- it was disrespectful. But guess what? It turned <laughs> out that they won the series. All right. I had a lot of fun watching that series. All right. I have both told you that. I wanted the Rockets to win, but if they were happened to lose, it would be all right because then I can get LeBron his fourth ring. So it was the ultimate win-win situation for me either way. So, so we'll take that to the bank. I'm picking the Lakers to win uh, and go to their first finals in quite some time, uh, and hopefully LeBron gets his uh, fourth ring. But a potential matchup for LeBron in the Eastern Conference Finals. Wait, wait, Frank, Frank, Frank. You know, what's before, going on? Before we get to the Eastern Conference Finals, I just want to bring up one thing. Not really a guy of destiny here, but kind of crazy, given everything going on this year. Um, this really matches up and looks like LeBron is on pace to win his fourth ring in the, almost the same exact setting that Kobe Bryant would have won his fourth ring. And we know how everything goes this year. But just, just because I know we have some listeners out there that, that enjoy this kind of stuff, 2009 playoffs, Los Angeles Lakers beat the Denver Nuggets or beat the Houston Rockets in the second round of the Western Conference playoffs, then beat the Denver Nuggets in the conference finals, and then pr- 
proceeded to beat the Orlando Magic in Orlando for Kobe to win his fourth ring. Now, where's the bubble at? Orlando. Who did the Lakers beat in the second round this year? The Houston Rockets. And who are they meeting in the Western Conference Finals this year? The Denver Nuggets. Kind of crazy if you ask me. But yes, Frank proceeded to the Eastern Conference. Yeah, Eastern Conference Finals were, were one uh, one game late on that. The uh, Miami Heat had a great uh, win uh, in overtime yesterday. So Miami is up 1-0. Uh, so Farnsworth, I'll start with you. Uh, with it being 1-0, do you see Miami as a prohibitive favorite to go to their first final since LeBron was there? Or do you see Jason Tatum... Uh, leading Boston to their first uh, finals appearance together. This is a very interesting series. I think that the Heat did really well, and um, you know, they Jimmy Butler has shown proven himself to be uh, very clutch in the uh, down the stretch. Um, Jay Crowder dropped twenty two with them. Um, you got. I think the main thing for the Heat is they can equally four out of the five guys, including Duncan Robinson, who's played the last few games here, uh, only six points, but it's evenly distributed through. You got Heroes, well, I think one of the best young talents they have, and that's going to be huge for them in the future. Uh, Dragic had 39. You know, you're getting points from, you know, main six guys. The only thing I worry about is, you know, after those five guys or six guys, you know, what are you going to look for the bench? You look at Ikadala or Nunn or Linux or anybody like that. I don't know. You know, if they have one of, like, Jimmy Butler has a bad night or Dragic has a bad night, who's that next piece that's going to step up big? That's what I'm worried about. Against the Celtics team, you know, that had Jason Tatum, who dropped 30, Marcus Smart, 26, Kemba Walker at 19. <laughs> you know, you can look at all these guys, and it's it's very top-heavy in the both of these teams. you got four or five guys that can go for double digits a game. Um, I It's going to be... It's interesting to see this down the stretch as, you know, Boston had that lead in the first quarter, after the first quarter. Miami came thundering back to the lead at halftime. Had a struggle in the third quarter, but then he got back in the fourth quarter, back in the game. But it's it's going to be an interesting series. I think Miami, though, in this situation is the favorite. Um, just the, the way that they're playing and all the, uh, you know, how uh, – uh, how Bam is playing so well with the game clutch block and, you know, how great of defense they're playing. So I think it's going to come down to defense for sure and how well the Heat can keep up with the Celtics. But uh, I right now, the Heat are the favorite. And then Mitch Ballas, same question to you. Who would you rather see LeBron beat? Or who wins the Eastern Conference Finals? Well, who would I rather see LeBron beat? I'd rather see him uh, beat Denver and then proceed to beat uh, Boston just because I think um, given everything – being boss would look better on his resume. Um, would just like to point out that I did predict the Bucks losing to the Miami Heat in six. So I was off because the Heat just took it to him in five. Um, dating back to episode five of this FNMM podcast, I did predict the Lakers over the Celtics um, for the sake of my sanity and prediction being alive still. You said the Bucks. We all said the Lakers and Bucks. I am I am gonna go ahead and say Boston wins this series and will advance the uh, NBA Finals to play the Los Angeles Lakers. So I'll take Celtic. It kills me to say that though because man, Jimmy Butler is so fun fun to watch. Bam Adebayo has been is a rising star, and then you add the the bench play the Heat of Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson. They just light it up from three. 
Um, not really Robinson re- recently, but don't, don't, hey, he's coming. Don't worry, we talked. Him and I I'm talked. telling you, he's going to get one game of these. It's going to actually score maybe seventeen plus. I'm, I'm I'm betting on that. It's coming. The only one that I don't like is Jay Crowder because uh, apparently Jay Crowder remembers how to play basketball now, and when the Cavs traded for him, he just didn't remember how to play basketball. But hey, that's okay. Um, I'm not mad or bitter or anything, Jay Crowder. Just keep doing you. Um, it, it, it's a really fun, entertaining series between two really young teams in the Eastern Conference who potentially are going to be there for years to come. Obviously, we'll see what happens next year with Giannis and a full, fully healthy uh, Brooklyn Nets squad. But uh, for, like I said, my pick, I'll, I'll stick with the Celtics, even though it means me. I'm going to take Miami in six. That was the prediction I made before the series. Uh, took place, and I'm going to roll with it. I think it's going to be a very fun series, but I think Miami will get it done, led by Jimmy uh, Butler. So uh, pivoting off basketball, we're going to kind of switch over here to the NFL scene, do a a quick recap of what we saw uh, last week, very quick recap, um, and then go to uh, predictions for this week. So um, Mitch Mitch Barnesworth, uh, Mitch Bala, (laughs) I'm going to start with you. Uh, with the Cleveland Browns getting their butts whooped 38-6 to by the Baltimore Ravens. Um, so just a quick takeaway of what uh, what you saw. I know we all expected them to lose, so it didn't actually hurt as bad. But but still painful to see them get lose their 15th opening day game in a row. So Mitch Bala, uh, your thoughts on their Week 1 loss? They're my thoughts. That's it. That, I have no thoughts. It was atrocious. <laughs> it hurt. I didn't expect them to win, but th- my God. I mean, it's just what I'm tired of suffering. Yep. I'm I'm tired. Like, what what do we have to do? Even A has joined the chat. Everyone. It's like, jeez, I, I, it it all changed in the second quarter when Odell Beckham Jr., who, by the way, posts all these videos in the off season of him standing on a Bosu ball catching footballs one handed off a jugs machine, can't catch a pass throw right in his chest with two hands with the gloves. I mean, my God, if you guys have never tried NFL receiving gloves, I don't understand how these guys drop passes. But here's Odell Beckham Jr., who apparently, you know, a couple years ago was one of the best, if not the best wide receivers, and apparently people think he's top five still, and I want to believe that. But when you're dropping a five-yard pass that gets a first down, it's just, oh, God, it's so frustrating, and it, and Baker did not show up, and I don't know. Listen, we're recording this the day before the Thursday night game. Um, Frank, is it too early to say tomorrow is a must-win? Oh, not at all. It is absolutely a must-win game. <laughs> uh, it, it, it has to be. For Baker's sake, for Kevin Stefanski's sake, which, by the way, absolutely blew my mind because I saw no none of his so-called pound the rock and let's do play action passing. All I saw was, let's force the ball down the field. Let's force the ball to Odell Beckham Jr. Let's ignore our two stud running backs. Um, it, it made no sense. The fake punt call. It was horrendous. Territory, the second drive of the game. My God, I thought Freddie Kitchens or Hugh Jackson were back there again. Uh, it, it just, it all seems like we're just in a circle, a constant circle of sucking. That's all it's been my entire life, and I'm tired of it, and I just, I don't know what to do anymore. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. I expected the Browns to lose that game, um, but but not that bad. I pre- I think I predicted 31 to 20, and 
it was just it was just not it. Baker, twenty one of thirty nine, not didn't even break two hundred passing yards. Uh, Kareem Hunt was leading rusher. Chubb was MIA. Jarvis was the only one catching something besides Ninjoku, but you know he hurt went not and hurt himself again. So you know. Who knows what's going to happen? I still can't believe he caught a touchdown in the end zone. He was so wide open, I just expected a drop because that's all he does. Right. So, you know, I expected it. I predicted Baltimore to win the Super Bowl, so I, I, I'm not too hurt by this loss. Uh, we'll touch on Thursday's game in a minute, but uh, Mitch Farnsworth, as the outsider of the of the Browns group, what did you see from, from, from the Browns this past Sunday? I think it was a disappointing performance, especially start the season. But are you guys really surprised if, uh, you know, the last 24 or whatever it's been, about 22 openers for the Browns and only winning one of them in the last 22 years? You guys had to see that coming for no, sure, we tied right? One. We tied one. Yeah, we tied you know, one. Well, we had a tie. Come on, respect. I said you only have won one in the last 22. So um, well, there could be one more loss. It's one less loss because we tied. Right. It doesn't matter. If you have only won one opener in the last 22 years, it's it's pretty uh, pretty tough to get through it. But uh, yeah, disappointing situation. You know, if you know Baker's throwing 39 passes and he's not even in breaking 200 yards, you know something's wrong. You know, the rushing rotation with Hunt and Chubb just wasn't there. I think um, the fake was it a fake punt? There to go for it, it and was. set up a bad situation and set up the second touchdown for Baltimore. You kind of set up that situation, and I, I I'm thinking, man, are you really that desperate in the first quarter? And you know, it's going against a Baltimore team. I know, obviously, this is a high-powered, you know, Baltimore offense, and you want to, you know, stay in the game. But I don't think in the first quarter you really have to push it that hard to go and stay in the game that early and fake a punt, but. Um, it's a tough situation. Odell uh, didn't really show up. Three catches for 22 yards. You know, David and Joku, which you guys love him so much as a fan favorite of your guys's. Um, you know, he gets more. He got the same amount of catches, but almost double the amount of yards that Odell got. So, uh, it's a tough situation. I think Baltimore did a great job. They game planned well. Lamar did oh, beautifully. 20 for 25. You know. It didn't even really have to play in the fourth quarter. You had RG3 out there. Um, so not as much running, I thought, for Baltimore. You know, Lamar at 45, Ingram at 29. You know, it just seemed like Marquise Brown, who's on my fantasy team, and I had him on the bench, unfortunately, he did a great job. Five receptions, 101 yards. But I would say it's disappointing, but I think that uh, the Browns definitely have a favorable schedule against um, a Cincinnati team that's – Try is rebuilding here. You got Joe Burrow who did a good job this last weekend, uh, uh, but we'll get into that in a little bit. But yeah, I think disappointing for the Browns. And then uh, Farnsworth, I'll stick with you. Your Tampa Bay Buccaneers also dropped to zero and one. It's a, it's a fun club to be in. Um, uh, the New Orleans Saints come out and uh, come out on top, uh, win thirty four twenty three. So uh, what was uh, your outcome? Uh, or what was your take from from the outcome past Sunday? I think um, I, I I think I set my expectations a little high. I felt like a Browns fan. Um, I thought you know instantly you picked it up and you're ready to go. Uh, and I think we we're supposed to be running with that. But I, I obviously have to lower my expectations a little bit there after that game and that this first week's 
of I didn't think I put myself or uh, put them in a right situation. Obviously, no free season, no OTAs, you know, limited practices and everything like that with COVID going on. Um, but I think that it's going to take time. It's going to take a few weeks until Tom Brady and everybody's on the right page. You could obviously see that Tom didn't have all the timing down with his receivers and trying to break that down. Mike Evans was shut down by March on Lattimore. You know, that's a one big target you have to play down with. But, you know, you got to take a look at the film and try to figure out how you can get to Evans again because he was shut down until about that last touchdown, you know, in the waning sentence of the fourth quarter um, that – somewhat made, you know, was in garbage time. But, you know, still, that builds on it. But, you know, the running game is uh, what Bruce Arians likes to use um, to get uh, get the game, uh, the movement of the offense, uh, which I saw. But Ronald Jones, I he did an okay job. I didn't think he did a great job. You know, 17 carries, 66 yards. Um, but looking at it, it it's, it's something you can build on. I saw a lot of good things that you can build on. We could have easily, you know, given up. We think that 7-0 lead in the first quarter, and we were down 17-7 at the half, but we uh, battled back. Brady made two crucial interceptions at the point, one for a pick six that, you know, was uh, that could have been turned the game right there. You know, it, it's it's been it was a tough it was a tough Sunday definitely to watch Brady struggle early, but I understand why the struggles were happening. Um, you know, I, I definitely see, like I said earlier, with things you can build on, but I, I would expect to give it a few weeks before the Buccaneers and this offense can get going, you know, next week against Carolina. And then uh, Mitch Walla, uh, we're going to move forward here to this week's games in our Cleveland Browns as we record this Wednesday night, play tomorrow night. Uh, Football Power Index uh, is from ESPN has given the Browns a 62% chance to win. They are favored by six points. Uh, they are home. There will be fans in attendance. Um, will the Browns win their home opener and move to one and one? Of course, because I'm super optimistic as always. I mean, I we if we lose to the Bengals, then it, it's I, I don't I can't say what I want to say because I don't know what I'm trying to say because that's just how big of a catastrophe it'll be is if we lose to Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, our defensive line should absolutely dominate the line of scrimmage because the Bengals' offensive line is one of, if not the worst, offensive lines in all of football. Um, Miles Garrett, Sheldon Richardson, Larry Ogunjobi should be able to pull their own weight up there. I'm not saying Olivier Vernon because the man is trash, a literal trash can out there on the defensive line for the Browns. Um, the big thing is the injuries are going to kill us tomorrow night. A lot of guys are questionable. Greedy Williams out once again, which is pathetic at this rate. Greedy Williams just does not play for us. I mean, my, I don't. Is he hurt? Does he just not want to be in Cleveland? I don't know. You tell me. Um, Joe Burrow looked very impressive against the Chargers, and the Chargers have a very good defense, a solid secondary. Joey Bosa on the edge. Um, Who? Joe, or Nick Bosa. I'm sorry. Who? No, Joey. Joey. Sorry. Joey Bosa plays for the Chargers. That's what I said. They just played the Chargers. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, Bengals. Yeah, I'm gonna be second guess myself, Frank. No, I don't know what you're. I don't know who you're talking about. I'm saying they just played the Chargers and lost. Yes. They have Joey Bosa. Well, I thought we were talking about the Bengals here, pal. I am because the Bengals oh. played the Chargers. All right, get on with it, damn. You know, Frank. 
Either way, Joe Burrow is still looking impressive against the Chargers. Of a, a strong secondary. At least three former Pro Bowlers back there at one point in their career. Joey Bosa on the outside of the defensive line. And Burrow did not look like a rookie. In fact, let him on a game-winning drive that had A.J. Green not been called for offensive pass interference would have been a game-winning drive. And then Randy Bullock just came in and I just need to know, was, did he actually pull his calf or do you guys think he just acted like he pulled his calf really no. quick? No, he didn't. You're saying he didn't pull it, Frank? Did not. Mitch? I'm not sure on that. I don't speculate on injuries. <laughs> what a wuss. Uh, I can't tell if he did or not. But either way, um, Burrow did look phenomenal, played like number one pick should. Um, and kind of scary to think what will happen once the Bengals sure up that offensive line in the years to come and if A.J. Green stays healthy. Uh, so I expect the Browns to win. I expect the Browns to cover. Um, good teams win, great teams cover. The Browns are a phenomenal team, so they're going to do both tomorrow night. So what's um, the score prediction? I, I'm not giving you a score prediction because every time I do that, then the next thing so you know, boring. Baker will throw nine picks and the defense will, for us will score seven touchdowns somehow. It doesn't matter. As long as I don't have to watch Austin Cyber kick a game-winning field goal against us and we don't lose, I'll be happy because these next two games are must-win games for the Cleveland Browns. The Bengals starting tomorrow and the Washington football team Come yeah, uh, I think it'll be very interesting. Like uh, Mitch Paul touched on a lot of injuries. Uh, half the offensive line, Wills, uh, Treader, Coughlin, all questionable. You have uh, Vernon questionable. You have Jarvis Landry questionable now as he has uh, injured his hip again. Uh, too. So our back, one of our backup linemen is questionable too. That's just how great it is for us right now. Right, but with all that being said, I think the Browns come out uh, and put out a good offensive performance. Uh, and now I'm going to pick them to win 34-13. Uh, I think the offense gets back on track, especially just since the Bengals don't have many players. Geno Atkins will be out, so I think Baker's going to have a lot of time uh, to sit back there and, and make some accurate passes. Um, so I'm going to pick the Browns to win. Uh, I think a, a big rushing game from Chubb, uh, and, I, and I think you'll see OBJ finally uh, hopefully break 100 yards. Uh, that doesn't happen very often ever since we've got him, so hopefully he comes out. Uh, and plays well, and I think the Browns can uh, can beat up on the Bengals. But like Mitch Wallace said, uh, if you did not know, Austin Seibert was cut, waived by the Browns, and then picked up by the Bengals a few days later. And I've already had envisions of him uh, kicking a game-winning field goal, and the Browns go to 0-2. So hopefully that does not happen. Uh, so Mitch Farnsworth, I'll swing it to you real quick. Uh, your prediction uh, for the Browns game this Thursday. I think this is a great situation for the Browns coming off a tough loss against the Ravens. I think, you know, going against a younger team with Burrow and still trying to figure out the NFL landscape is a perfect setup for the Browns in a Week 2 home opener. Um, I do think that oh, this is a huge game for Burrow, being back in the state of Ohio, you know, from here, went to Ohio State, went to then Louisiana, or uh, LSU now. And you know, it, I think it's going to be a situation that it's going to be as – um, it's the first game against the other Ohio team. It, it, it's obviously the Battle of Ohio here, so I, I think it's set up perfect for the Browns next week. Or, excuse me, tomorrow. Um, I think the Browns do get a victory. I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think, um, but I think the Browns will will win tomorrow. I'm thinking a score. I'm going to say 24 to – I'm going to say 24-14 Browns tomorrow. 
All right, and then uh, Farnsworth, I'll, I'll keep it to you. Your Tampa Bay Buccaneers though, are uh, home against the Carolina Panthers. Uh, also have some injury concerns. Your two top wide receivers are both questionable going into the game. So um, whether they play or not, does that have uh, a change on the outcome to you, or do you see Tampa Bay also getting their first win of the year this Sunday? I, I think I think it absolutely does. I, I think, you know, you, you've had the practices with, you know, Godwin as yeah, Evans as main targets. It's a, it's a main thing. You came to Tampa for a, a speaking from Tom Brady's point of one, uh, point of view. You're looking at uh, Godwin and Evans, those two guys. But you know, Evans was been hampered by a hamstring the last two weeks, which is the same hamstring that hurt him la- at the end of the year. Uh, the end of the year last year, uh, he's still having those issues, but. You know, obviously, Lattimore is a great shutdown cornerback. I'm not sure how much that uh, Evans is going to be used again. I'm not sure how much of an injury it is. I think that he'll be able to play. I heard that he practiced today and it was full. Um, Godwin, I'm a little more worried about playing on Sunday. Obviously, concussion. Obviously, people are that's a main concern now in the NFL, so that's going to be drastically um, looked at very, um, very uh, as a situation that Godwin most likely won't play. If he does, that's great. But I think the timing has still got to be there. Um, I think this is another good setup for the Buccaneers against the Carolina team that's, you know, got, went to went to Teddy Bridgewater now. And, you know, as Christian McCaffrey, obviously, is going to be the main thing, which uh, the Buccaneers did a great job last year shutting down uh, Christian McCaffrey and uh, keeping him limited. So it's a young defense. I really liked how the defense played last week, which I didn't touch on. Um, like a young, inexperienced defense did a great job shutting down Alvin Kamara, uh, Kamara, even though he still scored the two touchdowns. But I think it was the second lowest amount that he's ever had in his career. Um, and then they did a great job, Michael Thomas, as well. I think he was down – Obviously had an injury late, but I think they limited him to, I think, two catches, and that was it. So defense is doing a great job. I think the offense, they can straighten out uh, the woes they have, and they can get into a situation that they um, uh, can be successful. I, I think the Buccaneers can win this game. I think that Carolina is a great competitor for the Bucks in week two. Um, with the inexperience, the def- defensive losses that they've had with Keekley Bond, um, and the many other ones that they have that we've already listed in our preview uh, in the preview show, I talked about the Carolina Panthers losing a lot of their defensive uh, um, personnel. So I think that uh, the Bucks do get a win this week. I think I think they can pull it out. I think um, uh, Tom Brady, I believe, is uh, I can't remember exactly. I think he is three and in week two after a week one loss so I think uh, he'll he'll step up his game uh, this next week so I think the Buccaneers will win I think I'm looking at a score probably about 31 to I'm going to say 31-17 Bucks win this week alright alright both hope those both those scores happen for us so we can both come out here uh, on, on next Monday when we have our overreaction show that we're going to start putting out for you guys uh, so hopefully we next Monday you'll hear a show from us where it is we're both rejoicing and moving to one in one. Uh, but if you, don't, if you don't hear from me on overreaction Monday, just know it's because the Browns killed my soul. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, another team currently killing our soul. Um, I believe they're on a set now a seven game losing streak. Oh, Christ, um, the tribe. Yeah, our our tribe man, they just suck. Uh, they are now twenty six and twenty two. 
Uh, the eight seeds in the playoffs, they are seeded at eight now. They were just two last week, and now they've dropped all the way down to eight. Um, I don't even know where you really want to begin with them. Um, so, Mitch Paul, let's start with you. Uh, what's one thing you've liked uh, in the Indians this past week you liked watching? One thing you liked watching? Uh, the off day they had on Monday. <laughs> anything on the field? Anything on the field? Um. No. No. Because every time I turn on the game, our pitching, or our offense will show up, but the pitching just that day doesn't have it, which it's totally normal because the Indians have gotten as much out of their pitching as you probably possibly can. For Shane Bieber to lose his first game giving up two runs in the game for his first loss all year, I mean, the, the Indians have literally squeezed as much out of their starting pitching as they possibly can with the atrocious offense we have. Yep. I can't believe it just took yesterday for them to switch the lineup around and another lineup change tonight that we just decide to sit Cesar Hernandez, who's been one of the most consistent hitters all year for us. I, it's just, they miss Tito. It's it's obvious now, but that's not why they're struggling, because even when Tito was here, they were struggling. They are pressing. Francisco Lindor is pressing. They're, they're all pressing. I mean, I'll sit here and tell you Jose Hernandez – Ramirez is uh, pressing. And I've been advocating all year that, you know, maybe he wasn't in a slump and he was showing out for a while. He over in three straight games, and they all are. Frondel Reyes has went from 336 batting average now to 283 in a span of a week. It's everything that could have possibly gone bad for the Indians right now is going bad, and that includes the Minnesota Twins and the Chicago White Sox winning. That includes everybody else in the American League winning because don't look now. And I'm not saying we're going to miss the playoffs because it would really take a historic collapse. But the Seattle Mariners are only four games back with 13 games to play. So we've seen crazy things happen. I'm not saying it's going to, but my goodness, they have left the door open when the door should have been shut a week ago. It's they they their at bats are terrible. They're some of their fundamentals right now are terrible. Delano DeShields looks like he is extremely disinterested in baseball when he steps up to the plate. Um, unless he's bunting. Unless he's bunting, but you just can't bunt every time. Roberto Perez is the one that I'm not shocked about because I still think he played out of his mind last year, more so than he ever will again. Um, yes, he is not hitting as well as he probably should, but... Roberto Perez is not the offensive player he was last year. That was just every player has that every once in a while, and he made it last a full season. Um, and I don't want to bash Lindor. Everybody's numbers are down. Christian Yelich's numbers are down. Chris Bryant, Javi Baez, their numbers are down. Bellinger's numbers have dipped a bit this year. I mean, everybody's going to have a good week, but the best players in baseball usually can sustain that for a long time. Right now, a lot of the best players in Major League Baseball are pressing. And it's obvious, and it's because of the shortened season, and a lot of them have contract years coming up. Um, I mean, Lindor, I'm sure it doesn't help knowing that his name's on the trade block and he'll be gone in the offseason. But either way, the Indians will have a lot of time. They have 13 games left, 12 after tonight. Looking at the schedule, they're playing the Chicago Cubs right now. And as we're doing this episode, we are tied with the Cubs going to the bottom of the eighth in Chicago. So just looking at the schedule, starting tomorrow, four games at Detroit. Then we come home to end the season. We have four versus the Chicago White Sox and three versus the Pittsburgh Pirates. I mean, 
they have to pick it up. That's all I can say. They have to pick it up, and if they don't, um, like I said, I don't think they'll miss the playoffs with crazier things have happened. And just the offense has to pick up the pitching because the pitching has carried the weight almost the entire season, and it's very frustrating to watch. Yeah, Mitch Farnsworth, uh, I'm, I'm going to pose you, to you the first question. Um, I asked Mitch Ball, I want you to name me one thing that you'd like to see from the Indians this past week. Uh, when Matt Underwood says, now to the post-game show. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite part. That's my second now favorite part. Yeah, that's my second favorite part. Well, It's always fun. Yeah, the Indians have struggled uh, last seven games. It's probably the worst timing to have a situation like this, that you're letting, opening the door wide open for uh, any of these other teams, like uh, the Mariners. Stop. Mitch Baller just talked about here. Um, it, it's just, I think you've, the Indians have probably picked the exact worst time to have a situation like this. So mistakenly almost losing, or could be losing that playoff spot here. Um, or it could be just setting up for a good run at the end it, or a playoff run. So I obviously still have to make the playoffs to have a playoff run. So, um, I think the Indians, I, right now it's tough to see. I think the opponents that are coming up, like Mitch Ball, I just talked about the Pirates and the Tigers. I think those are winnable games, but they've got to pick it up somewhere. It's losing games in situations like yesterday, hitting back-to-back batters to win the game for the Cubs. You can't have situations like that. You've got to have you know, some discipline. You need to have something go their way, but it's just not going the Indians' way right now. Um, they need to have some person be a leader here. They need to find one guy that can, that's, can produce – you know, multiple games in a row. They need to get in a, something. They need a walk-off. They need something. They need something electric to happen within that team that can push them into, hey, it's time to go. We need to go. We need to start hitting. We're in eight, the eighth seed right now. We're the last playoff spot. we got to make this final run here to the end. Um, you know, you don't have to do great, but you still have to do good enough to make the playoffs. And then I think the Indians are going all in on trying to make a last to the end of the season playoff push but uh, it, it's real looking really uh, difficult here with the seventh game you know stretch here even losing those three games to the twins you can't lose to the royals you can't games that you have to win you know the indians right now are just they're falling in from stupid situations like that and this is where we sit right now yeah uh, agree 100 percent. except the fact that the indians, the indians will make the playoffs the the only the likely scenario that they were to miss it would be somehow if Seattle were to overtake Houston, uh, which they are only two games back of that, um, and then Houston ends up with a better record than the Indians. Seattle is not going to gain four games on us uh, in, in the right. last. We didn't think Seattle was going to gain four games in the past seven days, but here we are. Well, they stink too, so that's fine. They're going to lose tonight, and we're going to lose tonight. So guess what? That's another cancel, and and we're still good. We're going to make the playoffs. Um, but it just hasn't been a, a pretty showing. The lineups have been atrocious. Sandy has proven why he probably hasn't gotten called to be a manager uh, in the last six years because he's just hasn't been that great. Uh, like Mitch Bala said, that the team misses Tito, just probably his presence around the, the whole locker room uh, in the clubhouse. And, uh, you know, it, it's upsetting to see. You know, there's no shame in losing to the Cubs, who are – Obviously, going to make the playoffs. There's no shame in losing. The Cubs by hitting two batters and letting them win the game. Well, 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 yes, but my overall point is the Cubs are a good team. 
There's no there's no shame in losing to the Twins. Yeah. Getting swept by the Twins, there's there's some shame. But losing three games to the Royals is just uh, it's unforgivable. The Indians, I haven't. I'm just so disinterested in this Cleveland Indians team this year. Uh, early on, I was very excited to get, finally get some sports back, but uh, this team is just so obviously predictable, um, and, and it, it hasn't had a fun outcome. The only time I actually ever enjoy watching them play is only when Shane Bieber's pitching, um, and that happens to be tomorrow. Uh, but the Browns play tomorrow, so again, the Indians won't get my uh, interest in that game. Um, but, you know, it, it's a real shame because I – a week ago, the Indians were the two seed. We were hitting all these rumblings of Shane Bieber, the favorite for the Cy Young and MVP. And now what happens? We lost seven in a row. And are they going to give MVP to a, a guy who is a, a barely a 500 team? Um, you know, a lot of things like that are going to play out. But it looks like the Twins are going to win tonight and the Tribe are tied in the eighth again. So it looks like getting at least the two seed or the, the two seed in our division is going to be unlikely we're going to be four games back of the twins if we don't somehow win this game which who knows what happens they only have four hits again tonight as we record this in the bottom of the eighth so um not great uh but the good news is the supposedly good news is that you have four games against detroit uh who we beat up on in the past two years and we have bieber going to, up against uh the Tigers pitch young phenom Casey Mize. So hopefully the Indians can get their bats warmed up down there at Comerica Park. But it's going to be real interesting to see. Now I've been to the point where it's all about the seeding and what matches up with what. And as of right now, they would get the White Sox as the White Sox are the number one team in the American League. And if they were somehow to win that, the second round matchup would be against the Yankees or the Twins potentially. Um, so it, it'll be real interesting to see how they want to play it out. Um, this year, uh, the number one seed gets to pick who they want to play out of the 7th or 8th seed, and currently uh, Toronto's the 7th seed and we're the 8th seed, so it all comes down to who uh, the White Sox would want to play, whether us or, or Toronto, and then we would whoever doesn't get picked plays the 2 seed, which right now is the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see how that all shapes out, but we'll find out. <laughs> Pretty soon, as the first playoff games are September 29th, uh, which are 13 days away, uh, it's coming coming that quick. Uh, so we'll see how it plays out, and we'll definitely have a whole preview show of of how it plays out for uh, once the seedings are all locked up and how we think if the Indians make the playoffs, how they think they're going to be doing. So, um, Mitch Ball, I'll throw it over back to you. Out of out of any team you really kind of want to stay away from in the American League, what, what's the team that sticks out to you that you would not quote unquote avoid, but the team that you would not want to face in the playoffs. Uh, if you would ask me this question about a week and a half ago, I would have told you the Oakland Athletics. Um, strictly because the wild card rounds, as we didn't touch on this yet, but the MLB did come out today and announced that they are going to a bubble format officially for the playoffs. However, the wild card rounds were going to be played at the higher seed stadium. Um, just in my opinion, traveling all the way to Oakland, it's just an odd place to play first off. But with Oakland losing Matt Chapman for the season now to uh, hip surgery, <laughs> guys, if they're healthy to me, I-, I would think the scariest lineup for our pitching to face would have to be the New York Yankees. But honestly, the way we've played, I would probably rather avoid the Chicago White Sox and Minnesota Twins rather than anybody else in the American League right now. 
The White Sox are 32-16, and 16, lead the American League, number one seed. They have shown that they have the pitching to match up with us in some points this year. Their lineup is very evenly spaced with veterans and young young guns like the, uh, Luis Roberts and Eloy Jimenez, but then you throw in um, former Indian Edwin Encarnacion, who's started to hold it down for them in the middle of the order. Dallas Keuchel in the middle of that rotation. That's one team I don't want to see. The Twins have the lineup to uh, cancel our pitching, and apparently we can't hit their pitching, which just dumbfounds me because it's not like their rotation is anything special. I'm not... The Rays are a very good baseball team, but that's one team I think that our rotation could shut down, but here's here's what it comes down to. Our rotation could shut them down. Right now, anybody can shut ours down yep. when it comes to our, our bats, and that's what's scary because if you expect Shane Bieber to go out there game one and go complete game or eight innings, no runs, and then hand it off to our bullpen, and then you got to score a run to win. Shane Bieber giving up two runs or less every start is more than a quality start. And our offense can't seem to bail him or Savale or Plezak or Carrasco or McKenzie out of the water right now when they do give you a good solid start. So, yeah, I'll stick with I'd rather just not face any American League Central opponents in the playoffs. Yeah, Mitch Farnsworth, I'll pose uh, the same question to you uh, for the Indians. Uh, the one or two teams you would you would want to avoid uh, in the playoffs? I think the New York Yankees, I'm going to go with Mitch Wall, what he said, the dangerous hitters that they have, uh, the top-heavy pitching. Um, I, I, I just got to pretty much piggyback what Mitch Wall said. I like his points about that. Um, I said that the main thing is if the Yankees can stay healthy. That's the, always the main thing that's hampered the Yankees the last few years is the injuries. So I think that's a huge uh, – I, I think that's – got to make the best of missing that situation uh, – being in a, a, a series against the Yankees, um, it, obviously, like we already I talked about a little earlier, you know, obviously still have to make the playoffs. That's the main thing that I'm worried about right now. Um, but if I had to pick one right now, I think the Yankees or the Tampa Bay Rays, those would be the two that I'd be worried about playing at this point right now. Yeah, you just touched on it with my team, the Tampa Bay Rays. I just want want to avoid Kevin Cash, such a good manager uh, for that Rays team and has them playing really, really good baseball right now. Um, so the Rays would definitely be my one team I would want to avoid. I, I actually feel like the Indians uh, could potentially do well against the White Sox. Um, we're going to find out that they play each other four more times uh, right before the end of the season, which will be a really interesting to see how those games play out. Um, four games at home, it's going to have some seeding implications uh, involved. Um, so we'll see how they play. But I would I would like to play the White Sox. I, I definitely want to avoid the the Rays in the first round. Uh, so did, did anybody else have anything to say about, about the whole Indians as a whole uh, or, or anything like that? We suck. You, that's some about sums I, it up. I, I'm hoping Farnsworth is right in saying that we're picking a terrible time to slide, but hopefully that just means that the bats are going to get going here eventually. But I mean, just. For the audience's sake, we have no hitter hitting over two, over three hundred. Um, and does anybody know who our leading hitter is, average wise? Is it like over two seventy? It's over two seventy. Yes. Isn't it okay. the Shields? It is no longer the Shields. As of last week, uh, the Shields was second at two eighty four. But no, it is not. No longer the Shields. He's no longer in the top five now. Oh jeez. 
I'm not sure. It is our big man himself, Farnsworth's favorite guy, Frontville Reyes, who is hitting 286. And guys, just so people understand, Frontville Reyes, who's now hitting 286, two weeks ago in Kansas City, was hitting 336. Yikes. He has dropped that 50 points in his average. He was actually second coming into tonight, but after a hit, a couple hits this game, he's moved to second. Lindor is set or moved to first. Lindor is second now at 282. Cesar Hernandez 265. J Ram 257. And Carlos Santana at fifth, hitting 204 on the season for the tribe. Those are your one through five hitters, and fellas, that's just not gonna get it done. I don't care who you are. I don't care what team it is. Um, simply put, that's not going to get it done, and that's going to be the biggest thing to watch because I think when the top five in the lineup have it going, that's when you see Tyler Naquin kind of get it going. Maybe Roberto gets a couple of hits, um, but I guess it's going to be left to be seen. No, absolutely. So that will that'll conclude uh, episode fourteen of the FNM and M podcast. We will see you guys uh, Monday morning. For our first ever Overreaction Monday show, hopefully two uh, wins we can celebrate the Browns and the Buccaneers. But just, just for God's sake, we need a W, folks. That's yeah. all we need. We need a W somewhere. I, I don't care if I if I pick the spread and pick the Browns to cover. Just win a damn football game, Cleveland. Like it's, it's. Amen to that. At least we have the Buckeyes. The Buckeyes are back. Thank God. The Bucks are back. That's all. I mean, honestly, at this rate, the Browns can just suck. If we go, oh. if we lose tomorrow, let's just go zero and sixteen. Yep. Tank for, tank for Fields. Tank yep. for Trevor. Right up here, just tank. Yep. And then we'll just reassess next year because it's it's. Yep. It hurts. Yeah. Now that you just my day, my day will be ruined. My weekend will be ruined. I will go cry in the, in a room by myself <laughs> if the Browns lose tomorrow. Yeah, sorry we ended the the podcast on such a somber note, but but good news if you're a fellow Buckeye fan, they're back. They're gonna win their fourth straight Big Ten title, go to the playoff again. So you know, great news, great news. Gonna drop sixty points a game on everybody. Our offense is gonna be absolutely unstoppable. Why Davis is coming back? Sean Davis hopefully comes back. It's just it's it's a great time, man. It's a great time. I haven't been this excited in such a long time. And we we put out the show earlier uh, earlier today uh, on Wednesday. Uh, putting out how we uh, the Big Ten was back, uh, and we're definitely much more football is going to be back. Um, we're excited, to, the three of us, are really excited to get that going again. Give you our picks and whatnot, um, and predictions for each week. Uh, so, so very excited, Mitch. Paul, you have one more final thing to say. One more thing to our listeners: if, if there's things you guys want to listen or want us to touch on, just tweet at us at yep. the show, the handle, the TFNMMP for the FNMNM Podcast Network. Uh, go ahead and just hop on there. All of our Twitters are on there. If you want to tweet at us separately, letting us know who has a horrendous take or who is just flat out wrong, we're, we'll own it. You know, at Lippold underscore 27, at Mitchell Farns, W2, and <laughs> myself, at Mitchell Bala. Just tweet at us. Let us know. Let's let's get the – let's get popping out here. And, you know, we want to interact with you fans. No, absolutely. Uh, great way to touch on that, Mitch Farns, with any closing comments from yourself. Um, no, I just excited. Football's back for the Big Ten, and uh, <laughs> like you know, 
we'll, we'll, we'll get to see you know soon. We'll get much more football. I'm excited like Mitch Ballman. No, I'm, he's that I'm sounds excited to have it back. That's depression right there. We're all excited Ohio State's back. He doesn't even mention them in a sentence. Who? I don't know what you're talking about. It's time for me to go. Go, Bucks. Here we go. All right, guys. That'll conclude episode 14. Uh, we will see you guys Monday morning. Go, Bucks. Go, Bucks.